Welcome back, listeners, to a new episode of The New Standard on December 18th, 2022. And as always, joining me to my left, what's up, Big Neil? It's a great day, Lance. It's a great day in Steeler Nation. Everybody is excited. We, of course, are here to discuss, among other things, the Steelers' 24-16 victory over the Carolina Panthers in Charlotte today. The Steelers got, I felt, an excellent all-around performance in most ways throughout this game. A couple things defensively, some hiccups that I'm sure we weren't totally thrilled with. But uh, even for a, a team that scored 24 points, you would have thought they scored 34, if not more, the way that they played offensively. They were crisp. They executed very well. This was maybe the best performance we've seen out of their offensive line the last two years. And Mitch Trubisky filling in for injured Kenny Pickett availed himself very well. I thought that I don't think Pickett could, or uh, Trubisky could have played any better. I should be calling him Darnold, not Pickett or Trubisky, as we <laughs> yeah. heard multiple times in the broadcast. That cracked yes. me up. Yes, that was segue. hilarious. Yes, Steelers 24, Panthers 16. It's an excellent Sunday. NFL Week 15. Yeah, that was <laughs> yeah that that was hilarious. Uh, Gumble was calling him Darnold the entire <laughs> like game, times. and I was like, man, <laughs> I know I had some cocktails last <laughs> night, but man, I, I do think his name is Trubisky. I'm like, I'm bad with names, but I'm not quite that bad. Like I, I was like, that <laughs> he was pulling the lance there. You you you'll correct yourself. Yes. Time. He kept doing it. It was like he was, he like, was either oh. being paid to do that or <laughs> he had the worst on-air mental block you could possibly have. And I'm not going to rip him for that. I am going to laugh because it's funny. It's not the end of the world. There are people that absolutely go nuts over those kinds of things. Being on-air live in front of millions of people, I can't even imagine, is um, calm and easy. And people make mistakes and they hear about it from everybody. Uh, Greg Gumbel is a legend in the field. I think he called a great game today, and he usually calls a great game. It's just funny because it's Mitch Trubisky and Sam Darnold, two last names that are not even <laughs> remotely similar or common. <laughs> so those yeah, those are the two you mix up. Yeah, you might as well just call him Darnold Trubisky. <laughs> I was like, oh, just, 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 just call him Donald Trubisky. But before we jump into the program, I do want to congratulate Lionel Messi and Argentina on winning the World Cup. Lionel Messi with the World Cup win has solidified his claim to being the greatest soccer player of all time. What so big up soccer, okay. Yes, yes. So big up to Argentina and Lionel Messi for winning the uh the World Cup Darnold Disky. <laughs> that's a good Darnold one. Darnold Disky. Uh, <laughs> I wish I thought that <laughs> Darnold Disky. That's that's a good one. But as always, listeners, if you want to join the experience, you can hit us up on YouTube and do a search for the new standard and Lance Williams or Neil Kulong, or you can go to a podcast reader or feeder and do a search for the new standard. And Lance Williams or Neil Kulong. In the first segment, Neil, I want you to dig into a little bit deeper. And uh, the first segment of this show is Neil's Game Spill. And the name of this particular episode of the show is The Steelers Ground and Pound the Panthers to a Victory. And this game was really old school. They really leaned on their offensive line, the performance of that running game to go on the road and get them a victory. And I think that's the formula for offensive success for this football team. Give me your thoughts. I think this game 
was exactly what the Steelers envisioned their offense to be this season, uh, possibly beyond that. It was uh, run heavy. It was diverse, however. It was not a, a straight run 12 consecutive times and, and take what you can get. They were able to move the chains. They were able to get ahead on early downs. They threw uh, successfully when they needed to. They didn't take a whole lot of shots down the field, but they connected on uh, the, the one I can think of at least. Maybe they took another one that I'm not thinking of, uh, and they protected the ball. They were able to do, I think, what they have been trying to do since training camp, which is set up more of a, a, a risk-adverse offense that can maintain possession and win closer games against anybody. Now, whether we agree with that philosophy, uh, another story, another day, another time. I but for the, for the personnel that they have, it probably is the smartest thing for them to do. They don't have a high-passing offense they they you know if we're even uh, gonna judge this mid-season they traded away their only um veteran big play guy who is somebody that they moved inside anyway they were trying to run the ball uh constantly this season they wanted to be a ground and pound team today was the day i feel it stands out more than than the others and they were actually able to successfully implement that and then dominate in doing it they sucked the life out of Carolina for pretty much that entire game. I know that Absolutely. the score ended what it was. They traded a few at the end. Marcus Allen did whatever Marcus Allen did. They wouldn't have got that last field goal without that. That, that might be a whole other show. I'm not sure if Marcus Allen is okay. I think they need to, to you know, sit him down with somebody. I have no clue what he was doing. I've never seen anybody do that before. They, you know what it made me think of, Lance? I'm sorry to, to segue on this. Do you remember um, – any given Sunday, I do. When Steeman Willie Beeman gets gets knocked after the big hit, and he's going and flirting with the cheerleaders on the sideline, that's what it looked like. It was like, "What the hell are you doing? Get your ass back to the side!" It, it's it. it I, I've never seen anything like that. Um, the right penalty to call. I don't think you could avoid that if you're an official. He's in their huddle, um, and then he I, I protested. And, and then he protested. He protested because he, he knows he's going to get cut. It, it, it was that egregious of a thing to have done. His job, I mean, they probably told him on the sidelines, <laughs> you're done. <laughs> you're getting a plane back and that's it. You're, you're out. Clean out your locker. Um, we'll, we'll make a big thing out of this. But the reality is it, it was a great game from the Steelers all around for what we could reasonably expect. We know that there are issues defensively on this team. We saw some. Plenty of them, in fact, uh, among the secondary. Again, uh, a trend that I felt was going in a better direction a, a couple weeks ago seems to be slanted and in, in going downhill again. <clears throat> it's something they're going to have to figure out uh, whether they're playing for the playoffs or not. Now, as far as I know, they are technically not eliminated from the postseason as of yet, but uh, it's it's going to come pretty close to that, I'm sure. I don't think they even have control over um, their own destiny anymore. They, Moving forward, their secondary will have uh, continued problems playing the way that they are. Uh, a lot of man, they, they really want to stay within that um, within that scheme. They're getting better pressure. I thought they, they pressured well today. Um, Larry Ogunjobi played a, a, a hell of a game, I thought, um, top to bottom, probably a bit more earlier than later. We saw Cam produce. We saw TJ Watt get another sack. He was in on a few plays. Uh, might have been the most impressive move that, that Alex Highsmith has had in his young career, um, splitting the two tight ends to, to make that play at the goal line. Uh, great goal line defense from the Steelers. I thought the yes. front seven c- 
played a, a very complete game, uh, something we have not seen from them uh, the last couple of weeks. Now we're going to factor in the quality of the opponent and blah, 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 blah. I don't know. Nameless gray faces. The Steelers executed uh, very well today, On I felt, overall on both sides of the ball uh, with some issues in their secondary that they're going to need to get fixed. But we saw a lot of very good things today. I, I anticipate watching it again um, with an all-22 perspective. We're going to be more impressed with a lot of the play that we saw. Uh, an excellent game. And I, I really think the Steelers hoped they could get to this point perhaps earlier in the season than they did. But you you can tell this is the type of team that they wanted to build uh, to play this season, and they've been drafting to do. It, 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 things went very well for them overall. I'd imagine uh, Mike Tomlin is, is going to be very happy uh, on the plane on the way home simply because they got it. You know, At the very least, we saw uh, at, at a point this season what they really wanted to do. We see what their identity is, and they executed it very well. Hats off to an offensive line that, we have savagely ripped. Dan Moore did not have a penalty today. I didn't think that was possible. We saw a lot of good things out of that group, and I, I definitely feel that uh, they, they deserve the, the praise that fans are, are giving them for the performance that they put up. I want to echo everything you said, but I also want to chime into the point when you said uh, nameless faces. Gray, nameless gray. gray faces. That's a tall See, of course. Of course I had to get that wrong. Um <laughs> With that being said, I mean, I, I, I always like to take it from that perspective and not try to nitpick victories. Victories are victories. Had they lost, there would have been ample criticism had they lost. So they should get the kudos when they win. And let me echo some of the things that you said with a couple of numbers before we jump into the second segment of the show, uh, Pickett's Nitpick. And we're going to have some other numbers from this game that we want to highlight. The number 31, the number 21, and the number 68. There were only 31 completed passes in this game. That is absolutely rare in today's football in 2022. I mean, you're talking about 31 completions in a normal game from one quarterback. In this game, you had 31 completions from both guys. I think Trubisky had 17. Darnold had 14. The number 21 a 21-play drive, I think on the broadcast, they said that was the longest drive in the last five years, which is... Second which is, longest drive since 2001, I saw. Which is ridiculous. And the odds of you being able to execute a 21-play drive is just slim to none. Hence, that number. I don't, that I don't think I've ever seen that. Drive. I mean, I don't know if I've ever seen that. I mean, I think I've seen an 18-play, maybe a 19, but I've never like seen a 20-play Pure ground and pound, like Bettis days, maybe. It may be high teens, but 21 with only one penalty. And Johnson's penalty was stupid, too. You really wish that didn't happen. Overall, they, they just they picked up. I mean, literally, it was like four or five yards down the field, and they started at the, the nine or whatever it was. Just a, a phenomenal drive. I mean, we you just, know what we don't they need to that. call that drive? The carding. They could have carded them for that drive. <laughs> the card. You can get a card for the drive. Hey, hey, you 21 wanna, you, and over only. The Steelers are in that club. 21 and over only. And the last number I wanted to point out is 68. Steelers ran 68 plays to Carolina's 43. Dumb. I mean, and Steelers Wire, let me post that here. Thank you, Steelers Wire, for hopping on. said the Steelers gained 106 total yards on that drive, which means 
you're never going to see a a 21 play 106 yard drive uh you're never going to see that. And I want to give a big up to my uncle who hopped on the program. Big up, Uncle Ruben. Thank you for hopping on to the program. Thank you, sir. Uh, I mean, when are you going to see a 21-play, 106-yard drive again? Ever? On, on the on the week, on the NFL weekend, in which we saw the great, the excuse me, the largest comeback of all time. We had an internal civil war at work over Jeff what to Thursday. call it. The uh, the 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 biggest regular season comeback in NFL history. And at the same time, uh, for those who are watching, the Jacksonville Jaguars walked off the Dallas Cowboys with a pick six in overtime. The Cowboys were up 10 in the fourth quarter of this game. What a day. Oh, this is fantastic. The Jaguars are, are my quiet adopted team just because I, I love Doug Peterson. I love Trevor Lawrence. Uh, to see them beat the Cowboys the way that they have and after the Cowboys should have lost to Houston last week, uh, this is just phenomenal. Um, Dallas is not nearly the team they think they are. It, it's uh, it's enjoyable. I I really enjoyed this weekend, Lance. <laughs> Sorry, it, it, you root <laughs> for other teams to lose. Let's jump. Oh, into, yeah. there was, Don't there, you guys? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, there for a lot of teams to lose all the time. There was a post. I'm gonna jump into this this from C Mac, uh, and he he tweeted because I want you to jump into. Your your Twitter I, I just, tornado. I just DM'd him over twi- a, a Twitter side argument that was going uh, on, uh, on, on Twitter. <laughs> but let me ask you this: in, in in the Pickett's nitpick segment, we saw Trubisky play very well. You saw the ground yeah. game do very well. You saw them play to their identity. On a short week, Steelers play again on Christmas Eve in the celebration of the 50th anniversary of the Immaculate Reception. Is this a trip Trubisky start on Saturday? Are they trying to get Pickett back? Or are they trying to give Pickett a little bit of rest? We saw him with the new helmet to address concussions. Is it take your time, young man, get back, get right? Trubisky look good. We can just throw Trubisky out here for the weekend. How do you handle this? As usual, there, there are two answers here. One, there's what Mike Tomlin is going to tell us, which is a combination of Practice participation will be our guide. He's going to follow through in the protocol, and Lance is gone. Two is the stuff we don't know that happens. We don't know what their plan is. We're not going to know what their plan is. There's a cottage industry of radio hosts, podcasters, and bloggers who will write all about the things they think they know. The reality is the Steelers do not give up that information, and they're not going to. We're not going to know until – Tomlin says something, or we see one of them walk out to the huddle for the the opening drive, who the quarterback is going to be. What I can say right now is uh, Pickett sustained two hits that resulted in him having concussion-like symptoms. See how far I'm going to not call it a concussion? He has concussion-like symptoms, and he was ruled out for this game. He's had two of those in seven weeks. A concussion, hits to the head, we'll call it that, doesn't heal instantaneously. And the more of them you get, the longer it tends to take to recover. That's science. That's not my opinion. It seems like a short week now, if he wasn't cleared to play by Saturday, odds wouldn't be in favor of him starting. That's what I'm thinking. You also have the obvious long-term effects that you have to be concerned with. Pickett's 24, which isn't the youngest player in the league, but Certainly not the oldest either. He's got four years left in his contract, three years left in his contract, and a fifth-year team option. 
uh, or fourth year left for his team option remaining. Do you need him to play this week? I don't know. You would prefer it. He's your starting quarterback. Trubisky availed himself very well. He led the team well. Didn't make mistakes. Today, well, he had two passes I thought were pretty bad, but he used to have two passes a drive that were pretty bad. So he, he's making substantial improvement. You, you aren't going to feel bad about Trubisky next week for what we know right now. You, you shouldn't have to feel bad. He's done a good job of, of rising to the challenge that he's now facing. Does that mean that he'll start again? Go back to one. We have no idea. We don't know. There's a bunch of people that are going to tell you that they know, but they don't know. Okay. You might get the, the leaked report on Friday of who's going to start, but in, 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 as far as I know, Mike didn't address it in post game today. He'll speak again on Tuesday. He might say something then. We don't know. It's going to be the first question that's asked. He didn't have any other injuries today. So I would imagine he's going to address the situation. And I'm going to imagine it's going to be something to do with Pickett's status in concussion protocol and them wanting to let practice participation be their guide. What that means is we're going to have the guys practice and we're not going to tell you because we don't want the Raiders to know. We're fine with you asking us questions because we can shoot down your question all day. We'll let you know when we have to let you know, and that's not right now. So I don't know. <laughs> Long-winded way of saying, I don't know. We and, and that's not that I'm stupid or anybody else is stupid. It's that they're not going to tell you, and they're the only ones that matter. They, they do this song and dance all the time. We won't know, but as it sits now, I would prefer um, Pickett be it, you know, them wanting to err on the side of overcaution with Pickett, just because I, I don't. All games matter, especially with a rookie quarterback who still has to develop. I would love Pickett to be a hundred percent healthy and out there. If he's not that, I, he doesn't need to be out there, and that's not. I have faith in Trubisky. That's just very simply protect the kid. You know, let, let's not let his competition take over. He wants to make money. He wants to get paid. He wants to win. Totally get it. I want those things too. I can't do it though. You know, he physically might not be able to do it. And if he can't, he shouldn't. A lot of, the, the, there's a lot riding on it. So let's let practice participation be our guide and we'll, we'll see what happens and see um, how they're feeling about him for this week uh, leading into this next game. And Felicia says it best. I mean, I mean, Tomlin's language is a language in and of itself. I mean, you could go to Pitt and you could study Tomlin. I mean, that that's a language. He says a lot of nothing at times, you know, makes it sound good and let you, you know, let you interpret it for whatever it means. But when you conjugate verbs in a certain way, <laughs> they're Tomlinisms and they mean certain things. But here's the one thing I can absolutely guarantee answer about who will not be the next starting quarterback. <laughs> and that's Mason Rudolph. That ship has sailed. It's been sunk. It's never going to happen. Mason Rudolph is never going to start again for the Pittsburgh Steelers. That has absolutely been settled. And it's interesting because Tomlin said something that we said, and I saw some comments on Twitter. We got knocked a little bit for our comments, and he basically said Mason Rudolph hasn't played quarterback this year. I mean, regardless of what you think, I mean, he hasn't taken any snaps, any live snaps in a game that counts this year, which would put the Steelers offense at a deficit. But let me but 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 let me ask you this though, Neil. Um what were you guys beefing about 
on Twitter. Because you said that you were in a little bit of a a, a Twitter dust up and going <laughs> back and forth with uh, some Pittsburgh brass, so to speak. First off, yeah, I mean, if we need to get into the, the specifics of it, um, David Todd and Alan Saunders, who are both two great guys, uh, fine gentlemen, excellent Twitter followers, follows. I, I strongly recommend them and the content that they produce. Um, we, we got into something of a, a debate and I know that, that David has stood firmly in the camp of Mitch Trubisky for a while. And, and as anybody who's listened to this program more than once knows, I haven't always. The conversation today kind of led to uh, the discussion, which has to be happening. What's Trubisky's future in Pittsburgh? And the way that I look at this, it really kind of comes down to the fact that you now have your starting quarterback. I don't think anybody's questioning that in Kenny Pickett. Kenny Pickett has sustained two things that strongly resemble concussions, but I'm not calling them concussions in seven weeks. You've got an injury prone quarterback, whether it's not a character flaw, it doesn't mean that he's a bad person. It just means he gets hit in the head and he's unable to play. You need to make your backup quarterback a top 20 roster position. That's my opinion. What I mean by that is you're going to have to pay the market value for a, a starting quarterback with starting, or, uh, excuse me, a backup quarterback with starting experience, you pay a premium on top of market to sign a guy like that. Trubisky got more or less something like that this offseason with the Steelers. He signed a two year deal. Next year, he is due a base salary of $8 million. That, not something Alan Saunders agrees with, but in my interpretation of the market, it's really not that far off. It's more or less what Mar- what Mariota got. It didn't work out so well for him. Uh, but you've also, next year, you've got Jimmy Garoppolo probably coming on the market. You have potentially Baker Mayfield coming on the market. There are higher-level quarterbacks than Trubisky that are going to come onto the market. That drives the price up for everybody. So $8 million to me as I sit, not my favorite price for my backup quarterback, but you can knock that down a little bit on an extension the point is you really want to keep trubisky as as your backup and i've ripped trubisky as a starter all year all off season i was on a i was on a work call when i saw the tweet that the steelers signed trubisky and i had to hang up i was that livid about it (laughs) not a fan of mitch trubisky the starter i'm not making that up either that's a true story it's legend in, in my old place of employment i'm like oh God, swear word, swear word, swear word. The Steelers signed Trubisky. I got to go. Click. It's exactly what happened. Um, as a backup, you can definitely do a lot worse, certainly for what we saw today. Continuity, very important. The Steelers have prided themselves in continuity among their backups. When they had Ben, it was very important that the backup, whose job really is to kind of help prepare the starter above anything else, and when they need to play, they have to step up and play. It's kind of a, you know, people say it's a great job. It really isn't. When when you have to do the job, you got to be at, at a pretty good level. We saw Trubisky play at a pretty good level today. They didn't ask him to do a whole lot, but he did well what they asked him to do. It's what you need out of a backup. If he is okay preparing Pickett, the, the established starter, having him on the ready for a quarterback who sustained two things that look a lot like concussions in seven weeks, Having one on the ready that can step in and play in an offense that he knows with players who know him, 
is a good idea. That's a good investment, especially with what we're talking about here is the difference between probably eight and $5 million. Okay. So $3 million. Yeah. If you can make a Super Bowl champion out of a $3 million increase, you, you are the greatest who's ever lived. And if the Steelers can do that, if you're going to tell me not paying Trubisky the $3 million over the market that they're going to have to pay for a backup quarterback, that's going to be the difference between them being 6-11 and 11 next year and them being 11-6 and six and Super Bowl champions? Let's, let's be Super Bowl champions, okay? I just have a real tough time thinking $3 million makes that significant of a difference. So the argument kind of comes down to whether or not um, you understand the size of the money involved that you are allowed to spend, how the position is paid throughout the rest of the league, versus how much do you not like Mitch Trubisky and how much do you think $3 million is worth on a $220 million salary cap? Math yeah. tells me it's not really worth all that much. If you want to give me $3 million, I will gladly make hay out of it, okay? Feel free to, to Venmo me $3 million if you want to do that. Maybe. For an NFL team, may as well be changing the couch, okay? It's not significant. Math tells me that. You're talking 1% of the cap. Not significant. So it's a premium. It means something to Mitch Trubisky. Sure. If Trubisky, and I, if I was his agent, I would say, here's what we would go back with. They don't want to pay you $8 million. Your contract, they're they're contracted to pay you $8 million. So we can tell them to, you know, kiss our foot and move on if we want. They don't, we don't have to move anywhere. If they say they, they aren't comfortable with that. What we say is, okay, give us, Two years, fourteen million. It's a little bit less than eight this year. It's another con. It's another year on the contract, so we don't have to do this changing teams thing every year, and we make up the difference over two years. They're probably not going to go for that, but it's a good starting point. We land on twelve, twelve and a half. I think that's probably about right. Okay, six, six and a half million. That's probably going to be the market rate. Jimmy is going to get way more than that. Baker Absolutely. is going to get way more than that. Seattle gonna is going to pay Geno Smith a lot more than that. Plus, there are seven guys in the first three rounds of this draft who are going to go. Okay? There's not much of a market for Trubisky. The greatest leverage that he has is within the, the team that he is currently on. They know him. He knows them. He's got experience with them. He's made starts with them. It, it's the best move for both sides for him as a backup. And nobody... Mind you, nobody, Lance, has been more anti-Mitch Trubisky, the starter, than me. Nobody. You, have. you, you, you definitely have. Yeah. You are you are a Mitch hater, that's for sure. Uh, but he's, yes. he's earned it. I, I mean, Yeah, yeah, to be honest, he has. He played really well today. I gave him <laughs> yeah, credit for that. I yes. savagely ripped him in a couple games when he deserved it. Last yeah, week. Yeah, 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 yeah. You've been fair. Last I mean, week, yeah, fair. he made a couple throws. It's great. He turned the ball over twice in the red zone and three times overall. And he didn't play yes. the whole game. Yes. So I don't want to hear. Overall, you don't want him to be your starter. But no, not if at you all. are not in, on this team with a next year, a second year quarterback who's already sustained multiple concussions and runs the ball frequently, if you aren't backing that up with a veteran, you're telling your team you're not trying. Because what's going to happen? Do you want Tyler Huntley starting for you? That's who the Ravens have backing up Lamar Jackson, a running quarterback. Huntley sucks, okay? It's plain and obvious. I don't know if you watched him last night. He's terrible. He can't do anything. 
Do you want to clutch your pearls and save 3% on your salary cap and have what should be a critically important position to a competitive team handled by Lance Kulong? Is that really what you want? <laughs> no. You de- well, my arm is good, though. Right, I, good. I, I do have some accuracy within 20 yards to the boundary. Okay, so you're Tyler uh, Huntley. Yeah, exactly. Do you want to save that kind of money? It, and th- this is double H's point. Quantitative measurements are purely relative when comparing absurdly high numbers. What's the difference between $2.5 million and $6 million on the salary cap? Zip. It really isn't. What's the difference in the market? That quarterback is Mitch Trubisky versus Tyler Huntley. Okay, which one would you rather have as your backup? Honestly, yeah, I'd rather do you need have to save Mitch that Trubisky. money. Do you really think that money is going to be the difference in Baltimore of them extending Lamar or not? No, no, it's not. If they can't pony up four million dollars, you're you don't want to. You're doing it wrong. And I am far from an accounting major. Okay, I'm just saying it's it, you know the market, you know the price that you want to pay for for certain things. It's not that big of a deal to throw on a two or three million dollar premium to keep the quarterback that you know that you're comfortable with. You have all of his medicals. You know who he is as a person. He's dealt with some adversity. He's dealt with some success. You know exactly what you're getting from him. There's a lot of of peace of mind if that's backing up the guy that is going to sneeze and get a concussion moving forward. Okay. Yeah. It's a valuable thing that is worth three million dollars versus what? And, and one of the arguments that came back against it was, well, would you rather have Gardner Minshew for $1 million or Trubisky for eight? I'd love to have Gardner Minshew for $1 million. But you can't you know, get you know Gardner who Minshew wouldn't? for Gardner Minshew. Yeah, you He's can't get Gardner for $1 million. For $1 million. It's, it's stupid. You that, don't understand that's... the market. You don't understand what you're talking about. To say nothing of the fact that Minshew's on a rookie contract. He's not even yeah. a veteran. Yeah, not you can't. Pay-wise, he's not a veteran. Yeah, either. yeah, I mean, so you it, can't. It, it's apples and oranges. You don't understand what you're talking about. Just stop. I can't stand that. I mean, I mean, as a former coach, of course, not on a professional level, but one of the, one of the things in coaching is you want to minimize uncertainty. And the one thing you do with Mitch Trubisky is you minimize the level of uncertainty with him if you bring him back as a backup because he knows your system, you know him, you know what throws he likes, what he likes to do. I mean, you know the player. From a player perspective, as a backup, he probably gives you uh, the best option. But I want to give a big up to Robert Cotting. He proposed a hypothetical that we're going to ask at the end of the show. But I want to jump into some offensive numbers that stand out from this game. Steelers ran the ball 45 times. That's another number that jumps out. They ran it 45 much. times for 156. yards a carry for three touchdowns. And I I think I had posted on Twitter, had they had a game this year where they ran for two touchdowns? Because I I would say no, because they haven't had a game, I think, where they scored three offensive touchdowns. No, that's I'm too depressed over the season to look that up. But if they've scored three touchdowns in a game, it, it hasn't been more than like once or twice. probably lost yeah i don't think so another number that jumps out because they talked about it quite often uh during the broadcast the steelers were 12 of 16 on third down converting at 75 percent i'll bet their average to go on that was like four yards 
I mean, they, they, they got yeah. ahead early, you know, I, the, the numbers, Lance, the, the rushing numbers don't look what it felt like. No, in that game. no, no, no. You know, it doesn't. It, it's the, the Harrison Warren, neither of them came close to four yards of carry. Um, Najee 24 for 86. Warren was 11 for 38. They ran a lot better than that. It felt like, um, Sims cracked off a nice run. I'm not sure what they were trying to do. Otherwise, you got a conversion for Derek Watt. Deontay Johnson ran. I thought he, he came close to, to breaking the play that he got. Uh, it, it, it seemed like they dominated more um, on the ground than it, it than the numbers. Yeah, it like. felt like when they wanted maybe to they run just kind of gave up at the end. I think maybe yeah. Carolina tightened up a little bit more uh, through three quarters. Though the Steelers were well in control of this game. Yeah, I mean, it felt like when they wanted to run it, they could run it. And it felt like they really tapped Carolina out, you know, after that drive and they scored after the 21 play drive and they scored the touchdown. Another number on offense I want to I want to point out and because we got to get this guy some love. Deontay Johnson, 10 targets, 10 receptions, 98 yards average, of course, 9.8 had a long of 19. George Pickens had another big catch average, 26.5 yards a catch. Uh, kudos to Deontay Johnson after a, a really bonehead play, but still played a, a, a very solid game. Unfortunately, you know, he didn't get into the end zone, but you can clearly see that DJ had a really good game. And his strength is his release, his get off on the line of scrimmage. He really has a unique ability um, to get open very quickly in his routes. Um, He's so fluid. He is so balanced. And, and you could tell uh on his college tape i i i'll die on this hill because i've been saying it for years i i didn't know who deontay johnson was when they drafted him i watched a a little bit of tape after they did and the first thing i thought of immediately was like i can totally see why the steelers drafted him and then after a bit it was like he's he is as much a Steeler receiver as we've seen he's is exactly what they look for he has great balance he has great coordination he can run anything against zone. You're not going to be able to cover him there. And his break at the stem, which is whatever move you make after you, you first get off the line, it is so smooth. He transitions from one speed to another at an exceptional level. He's really good at that. Uh, he lacks elite traits, but if he had those, he'd be unstoppable. I mean, he, he I hate, hate, capital H, hate, any comparison people have made to him uh, and, and Antonio Brown, completely ridiculous for a variety of reasons I'm not going to get into. But Brown had very similar stem ability. Fastest receiver I've ever seen, including Jerry Rice, in and out of his breaks. You, he destroyed you on his stem. You just you couldn't keep up with the guy. Johnson is not that, but that's his strength. That's his superpower. Uh, great balance and he showed it today he ran some just ridiculous routes on people and i you know it doesn't always have to be a 60 yard gain for a guy to run a great route he runs himself open better than just about anybody else in the nfl that's his talent that's his skill please just get the damn guy in the end zone i'm so sick and tired of seeing this it is it's historically weird that he hasn't scored a touchdown yet you know what i i want him to learn though is the word forward 
It was hilarious. I was reading yeah. tweets. He 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 thinks forward is initially backwards. <laughs> he, he, he he flips himself, Grand Theft Auto style. He gets in the car. <laughs> hey Deontay, go forward, dog. No, like, you know what that is, honestly, Lance. It, it's teams know when you get beat by him, you're beat. And they're going to get him the ball the second that he gets beat. They throw him the ball that much. We've seen that over the last two years. They're going to throw come hell or high water to Johnson if he's open. So as a defensive back, instead of attacking the ball the way that they do, what they're doing is after he breaks and they see that he's going to catch the ball, they're squaring him up. They're not going straight at him because he comes back like that because he's going to fake you. He's going to swing around you. He's going to make a move with his feet. They're just staying disciplined and letting him run himself backwards. So they're, they're using it against yeah, him. Yeah. And he's literally doing that every single time because he's not getting any yards after the catch. You can tell he's getting frustrated with that. There was a play, I forget which one it was, but he did a great job getting open. He caught it at about the 40-yard line. And you can see the defensive back hold up and then break down. Like he's, he's going to sit there and now wait. Johnson's going to run this big U-turn. He went all the way back to like the 36. And then made a move, ran forward. I think he got about to the 39 and a half. So he lost half a yard and put the effort forward to try to make a play. He's just unable to do it. It's not working because they're they're defending against him now. They're, they are aware of the discipline it takes to approach him, and they aren't going to let him shake free because he's great with the ball in his hand. But it, it's not working. I mean, part of the reason he doesn't have any touchdowns is because he isn't breaking anything. He, yeah, and, and, and Double H is on fire today in the chat when he said that DJ must have been a nightmare to catch in flag football. Yeah, you I mean, absolutely. I mean, absolutely. He's the Watch flag football he, go. Yeah, he is just phenomenally quick. Can we say he the really float? Really, it's just great feet, great balance. Can we say the float, like flag football and goat combined? He was the float. <laughs> he was the float wide receiver. You know, it's not football. good. You know, it's not good though when football fans start making comparisons to the guy on the team to a flag football player. It's like the, the, the Dree Archer All-Stars. Everybody was like, oh, man, imagine Dree Archer in flag football. Why? The, the <laughs> Dree like, Stars. It's like, I get it. Yes, he, he, Dree Archer is terrified of being tackled, and he's not going to last in the NFL. We saw that pretty quickly into his career. The Dree Star. <laughs> but, but, you know, big up to DJ, though, in the game. You know, that's a big third down catch. That third yep. down catch really – Great sealed throw, that great game great, great throw great catch great execution i mean and, and just not to uh belabor the trubisky thing but that's a confident call that's a confident call by the staff in that situation going to the guy that they perceive is more than likely their number one receiver you know you call that up close the game for us go ahead and win it big fella and he did and made that play on a defensive side of the ball some things stand out as well. You can kind of flip the coin on some of the numbers that I presented before, but one thing showed up and we have not seen in the last few weeks or seen consistently this year, pass rush showed up. The pass rush made a flight to Carolina. Four sacks, six quarterback hits. I believe they had a a sack call back because of, um, I think, an offsides penalty on T.J. Watt. They would have had five. But it was good to see the pass rush show up. What's your thoughts on their ability to get after the quarterback today? I, I liked what I saw from 
uh, high Smith today. He's the one who I think kind of stood out to me more than anything. Uh, again, that, that goal line play that I referenced. Uh, in, incredible awareness and instinct. I think that if, if anything, Highsmith is showing uh, how smart of a player he is. The, the film work is really coming out, and it, it seems like these specialty downs are where he makes his plays. Um, it, it, he knew what play was coming. He was well aware of what was coming. They had a double team on him, and, and he split both of them and ran the play down the backfield. Um, great goal line defense out of Pittsburgh today. Um, I, I liked Ogan Joby's game. We talked about this a little bit off the air. Uh, the Steelers looked like they were they were switching into an overfront wherever it is that that Carolina was or however they wanted to line up. And Ogan Joby just ate that guard alive early on. They they adjusted to it eventually, but um, it, I, I felt he keyed a pass rush, and that's the same type of role that Cam Hayward has been doing on his own for however long. We've we've discussed it ad nauseum. We're not seeing T.J. Watt playing at 100%, but they're able to collapse inside and it's opening stuff up more off the edge. And we saw fairly consistent pressure against a team that – how many plays did they run? 46? Is that what you said? They were barely yeah. on the field. So it's not like – Yeah, they ran 43. This wasn't a volume stat game. What was their third down? Third down was terrible. Their third yeah. downs, and we'll and, and speak to it as well. And that was another number I wanted to jump to. They were only four of eleven on third down, yeah. thirty six. Steelers, Steelers crushed them there. Specialty downs, they won. Um, the third and eight quarterback sneaks inside the red zone. <laughs> Still laughing about that. <laughs> Steelers that won that Jeff, down too. I thought that Thank was God. Jeff Friday making that call. Oh my God, that was incredibly dumb. I, it was just like, what are you doing? It, at first, it's like, it, do you think you're Joe Burrow? Or are you just calling your own number here, Sam? You, we're third and eight inside the red zone. You're not able to run. <laughs> just, he did go to USC, so you, know, you got to excuse him. Sam Darnold is a moron. Uh, you you got to excuse him for that. And yeah. and Carolina only had the ball 23 minutes in the game uh, total. So that was also impressive when you look at the uh, pressure numbers. And in the game, and it, and it took me a while. I gotta ask you, Claire. I need you to clarify something for me, Neil. So in the game, Cam had one and a half sacks. High well, they had gave a sack. half. They gave him a half on that one. All right. Good. And um, T.J. Watt had one and a half sacks. Yeah, so Watt that's was, three Watt and a half. So half, wasn't he? Okay, yep. that's fair. That's good. How do they define? So the the other half sack was given to the team. So <laughs> yep. How, how do they do that? How does a statistician do that? Um, Is it how? Because it's typically you, most of the times you'll see a half. <laughs> is it three people? Then it's not a half. It's not a like. Do you know how do they do that? It, it's it, okay. A couple things with that. First off, I just have to say this because I'll show it to friends and they'll laugh. If you ever find a moment in like a movie where you're trying to distract somebody when you sneak around them, if I'm the person you're trying to distract, ask me about scoring and officiating types of things. I'll go for days on this. I have no idea why. I've never been one. Um, I know a lot of scorers, though. I've written a lot of stories on them. I keep in, in touch with people within the league that do this stuff. I'm just fascinated by the process kind of behind it. Deal, but that's, that's fine. I got into a knockdown, drag out, like two-week-long battle with a bunch of people over TJ Watts' <laughs> non-sack against the Browns last year, explaining <laughs> up and down why it wasn't. It would have been for the sack, if you guys remember that. It was against the Browns. Baker went down and and TJ touched him and they did not give him credit for the sack, which they shouldn't have. And there's a whole slew of reasons why. Uh, it was a fumbled snap 
first off. That was really kind of the big thing. Everyone was comparing it to Michael Strahan and the fact that Brett Favre like jumped down at his feet and let him sack him. That was a legitimate sack according to the scorebook. Okay, you have to call it something. They call it a sack because, well, it fit the rules of a sack. Watts did not. Point is, I went for literally like 10 days arguing with people on social media about that. Um, A half sack credit to the team is not common. I didn't know that they did that. And I'm I'm already texting uh, people wondering if that's going to stick. I don't I think that's a mistake. Um, not, oh, not a mistake. It just might be an original ruling. They'll re-review it. Um, I'm curious if that stands just because a half sack to a team is kind of weird. You wouldn't have a situation like that. Uh, the half sack though on Hayward and, and Watt, as I remember the play and I don't have it in front of me, it was a, a fairly unique situation where if you watch it, they give a half sack when one player um, let's say he gets there first and he's tying the guy up and another one comes in and takes him down. The determination of a half sack is whether the first player would have taken him down without the other guy coming in. They'll give the other guy credit because he is the one who physically put the quarterback on the ground. Right. That's a half sack. And I felt at the time, I even said this to myself, the Hayward and Watts sack was not that because it literally seems like they both hit him at the same time, which believe it or not, really doesn't happen all that often. Um, most of the time when you give a half sack between players, it's because one kind of has him and he's starting to go down and the other one hits him, but he's not. The quarterback isn't in a position when the second guy hits him that he's going to be on the ground. But um, it, 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 the ruling is eventually the first guy would have gotten him to the ground. The second one just came and finished him off. That's when you give a half sack. Most often, though, especially today, because um, bonuses are given out for sacks, fantasy football points hang on sacks, they don't like to do a whole lot of half sacks. Um, Most often, when there's a scoring change following a week, they will take a half sack away from somebody and give it to somebody else. But they won't alter the game book, will they? Yeah, that's that's the scoring change that they'll make. So, But will they, they, like the game book that's published today, will they actually – modify the game book so if i look again on thursday they might, they might they do might. it okay yep it's, it's it's possible that's what they did with watt uh last year and the whole issue on that was and i said this at the time they gave watt credit for the sack and i said they're doing that because the the, the game moves on and they have to mark something what they do is they're scoring it and they'll they'll make a determination and they'll flag it and the league office will then look at it to make the determination. It's like if that's the sack that breaks the sack record, they're going to want to look at it before they call it because it, it's the worst. It would have been the worst sack of the year. You know, just really lame. Um, a quarterback who fumbles the ball and picks it up is a runner until they reset into like the most obvious passing motion of all time. Um. It wasn't, was it Baker? I don't, I feel like Baker wasn't the court. It had to have been Baker. Um, oh no, this was against the Ravens. This, this, this is the Ravens. This was against the Ravens. It Sorry, was early Huntley, in the game. Huntley it was, was a Huntley. quarterback. It yeah. was early in the game. He, Huntley fumbled the snap. And then you get into the difference of what a fumble versus an aborted snap is. My thought was it was an aborted snap because it was a bad snap. Huntley picked it up and ran. You know, the ball up at, at your face like this is a running position. It's not a throwing position. To throw, you have to be like 
Johnny Unitas Heisman Trophy throwing the ball. You know, it, it it's not. Um, I know that Johnny Unitas is not the Heisman Trophy. I don't know why I said Heisman. Not that Heisman. <laughs> you have to re- you have to reestablish yourself as a passer, purely. And Huntley did not, according to the letter of the of the the rule. Watt took him down, and it wasn't. I, I, I'm mixing these up. That's what it was. Baker ran at some point and dove down. He gave himself up. That's also not a sack. So, um, in, in this case, I the game book I'm looking at. I'm not sure the one you're looking at. But the game book I'm looking at has Hayward and Watt at uh, one and a half each. High Smith with one and a team total of four. So yes. it wasn't a, a team half sack anywhere. But the half sack, I remember. Yeah, that's it. three and a um, half. It's four on the book that I'm looking at. Yeah, but yeah, but the, then when you look, when you add up the sacks, it's three and a half. One and a half, one and a half is three plus that one. That is, is four. four. Yeah. I did get a degree. That is four. So yeah, you're you're far more the mathematical mind than me. Yeah, man. and I did mess that Boring up because <laughs> wow, that wow, that's terrible. Let's switch topics completely <laughs> well, because I did no, not add, I did not um, add that up. It, it brings up a weird point though because that is possible to do, and that means it, it could have happened at some point and they switched it. I don't know, but um, it, it, tell you what, because I don't want to drone on and on about this any more than I already have. We'll go back Wednesday and let you know whether or not they they credit either Hayward or Watt with that sack. Don't think okay. for one second the players and their agents do not get after the league intensely about this stuff. Okay, if TJ Watt at this point in a in a lost season. If he has a $500,000 bonus on him getting 12 sacks, his agent is going to fight tooth and nail to get that half sack taken off of Hayward's total and put onto his. They do that all the time. And he better. He better for that 10%. And I I don't blame him, but that's rightfully a half sack. I'm not a half sack fan, but that's rightfully a half sack. Let me jump into one last number on defense, and I'm kind of embarrassed that I added that wrong. Maybe I'm just so happy that the Steelers actually got four sacks in a game that the euphoria made me mess up basic math. Uh, but one thing also that jumped out on the offensive side, I wanted to jump into this, but we didn't say it, so I'll just mention it real quick. They were three of three in the red zone. and But on defense, they were one of three in the red zone. They held them to one. and Because recently – you know, recently, because that was the difference in this game as well, was there was their uh, red zone defense. Because over the past few weeks, you know, teams have been converting over 50% of their red zone attempts against the Steelers. Now, the Steelers typically don't give up a ton of red zone attempts, but you still want to be playing better um, in the red zone to prevent teams from scoring uh, touchdowns. But let, let me jump into this one thing. For, for my hypothetical, and big up to Robert Cotting. And Robert Cotting said he made a funny joke. Uh, we were talking about the flag football stuff. They will be playing flag football in the Pro Bowl, <laughs> which is which is absolutely funny. It just That's makes what they do anyway. Yeah, it just makes the Pro Bowl even more funny. Like they admitted that it's not football by making a flag football game. Anyway, but this is a good question. He posed this to you neil and this is the hypothetical here what are you going to do to mitch if they win the next three games so the steelers are what now six and they are six and eight six and eight they win the next three games because i think right now they're the 13th seed whatever it is (laughs) i think they're the 13th seed i saw that on the map the other day i was like whatever is that the 13th seed he's like come on man it's like (laughs) 
<laughs> I mean, what do you? I think he poses a good point in terms of a hypothetical. I mean, what are you going to do if Mitch and the Steelers win the next three games? You get three performances like this. The formula works. He takes care of the football. They win. They're nine and eight by chance. You know, since it's a hypothetical, they make the playoffs. I think it doesn't change anything. I, I think them drafting Kenny Pickett first round is the answer. I think no matter, I don't think there's anything that Mitch can do Question over was the next before Mitch got on the field. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I, yeah, I don't think there's anything Mitch can do over the next three games to be the quarterback next year, but of, of the Pittsburgh Steelers, of the Pittsburgh Steelers. But I don't think it's a good question. What's your thoughts on what are you going to do if Mitch wins the next three games? Is Mitch guaranteed your backup? He's your starter. What does that look like from a hypothetical perspective? For me, um, those three games, as far as Trubisky is concerned, as far as Trubisky's position on next year's team is concerned, um, the only thing I am really digging into is if he gets hurt. The injury might impact something. But for me, what I am hoping, if I am Omar Khan, I, I have seen enough to say Trubisky's best value to us is that we essentially have him on a cheap franchise tag. One that we don't have to, to keep. Okay. So he's got a one year contract for $8 million base salary this season, which means it's with his bonus from last year, he's what, like 12, 13 in the cap, something like that. I can get rid of $8 million on my, my cap by cutting him. Then I don't have a backup quarterback. I need a backup quarterback. I can assume his play, his play over these next three games helps his market value far more than it's going to do anything to my opinion. doesn't matter to me. He's not my starter anymore, but I still want him as my backup. I'm familiar with him. I'm comfortable with him. The medical staff knows him. The receivers know him. The offensive line knows him. People are comfortable with him. I'd like to have some continuity in my backup quarterback. I don't want to pay him $8 million on a one-year deal. I'd rather pay him $12 million over two because I want continuity. I, I'm not in control of the market, but I'm pretty close to it, and I can determine what I could reasonably expect him to get offered. Reasonably, okay? If the Houston Texans go do something really stupid and trade the, the first overall pick in this draft and sign Trubisky to be their starter, there's nothing I can do about that. That's a weird situation. Good on Mitch Trubisky. I don't know what Houston's doing, but maybe take the controller away from them for a little while. You need to have, a, 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 my opinion, you need to treat your backup quarterback, especially when you have a, a, a second-year guy, as a top-20 roster position. So paying him $6 million, six and a half maybe, in uh, uh, um, average per year, base salary, makes sense. I'll give him some guarantee, uh, give him a bonus, whatever. Lock him up for two years. That's what I want to do. Um, I where I sit looking at the market, looking at who's coming onto the market, which is critical to all of this. And this is something people don't really want to look at. There are not many teams that are in need of a starting quarterback for next year. The teams that are, are drafting really high. Yeah, they're drafting. Guys. And there are a lot of really good quarterbacks in this draft. You are not treating Mitch Trubisky as option a, when Bryce Young is available to you, 
Okay. You're just not. Even that Will Levis clown. I don't know how, I don't know why people think he's as good as he is. I'm taking him over Mitch yards standing still. Great. So whatever. <laughs> I don't know if you saw that. We'll video. we'll get in. Oh, I hate those things with a white hot fury. It is this I'll say this though. If if you want to get into that stuff, I saw Joe Flacco playing in, I think, like a flag football type of game, some type of exhibition um, pre-draft back when they did these things. They definitely don't do them anymore. Flacco was a good 30 yards away, and there's this dude filming. Flacco steps back and just uncorks one down the field. Down the, the, they're playing on sand, and he's throwing at where this cameraman is in a live game. He wasn't trying to hit him. The receiver, like the ball went through the receiver's hands, and it hit the cameraman square <laughs> in the chest. <laughs> and you hear him make this noise, and he just crumples over. I, I jokingly said before that draft, like, this video gets Flacco drafted in the first round because the force that's coming off of that ball from 30 yards away is, like, inhuman. And, 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 and Neil, his hands were big, too. Guy just, guy just has an absolute cannon of an order. He had a cannon, and he had big hands. Before yep. we, we get out of here, there was one stat I wanted to just mention to give kudos to the Steelers' defense. After a couple of weeks of really struggling stopping the run, uh, Carolina only had a net 21 yards rushing, uh, 16 attempts, 21 yards rushing, 1.3 yards per carry. Uh, and, and that's one thing that you can guarantee tip most cases, teams do not want to get destroyed on the ground. Like that, that, that is a that that's a sign of getting beat up physically. Uh, and really getting slapped around and, and teams take that personally. And a lot of times you'll find that teams really do a good job of correcting uh, their running game mistakes. Cause, cause the running game, like anything else in football, it, it takes a total team effort to consistently stop the run. Uh, I mean, a lot of times seven or eight guys will do the right thing. One guy will miss a tackle or one guy will lose contain. And it kind of makes it appear as if your entire run front is not performing when that may not be the case. Several of those runs um, occurred against the Ravens last week. But great victory by the Steelers. Steelers come back, turn around on a short week on Christmas Eve. I'm sure we're going to have a show on Wednesday. Not sure. We'll, we'll work it out, see if we'll do something on Christmas Eve, maybe something very quick. Uh, but that should be a pretty good game against the Raiders. Celebrating awesome. uh, the 50th uh, of the Immaculate Reception. I happen to have been alive when the Immaculate Reception occurred. I do Retiring not remember it, but, but you know, I was alive at the time when it happened. And, uh, but with that, man, big up to Kevin Motley. Thank you, sir. Here we go, Steelers. You, Kevin. Merry Salute, Christmas. Lance and Neil on the Gray Show. Thank you. And as always, we're going to go ahead and conclude the show. And as always, tune in, tell a friend and subscribe.